The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across me is the one, the only, Tammy, the Sasquatch Underwood. Morning, Tam. Morning. You seem all caffeinated now. Nah, I'm just, I don't know. All right, let's get to some business first, a little bit of a a self-promoting commercial, and then we'll move on to the calls from Keith Hunter Jesperson. This is the grand finale. Probably last time he's going to call, and we're doing a little Q&A with him. But first, make sure you log on to Brutal Nation, our citizens of Brutal Nation, and join the chat with us. Also, check out our Etsy store. We have a wide variety of serial killer t-shirts with key things that they have said. You can find us at TB Enterprises Store, all one word, on Etsy. You have anything you want to add to that? Nope. Got nothing. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> I got nothing. All right, this is one of a four of four calls that we did. We're doing four episodes out of this, so let's roll into the calls. How does that sound? All right. All right. Good morning. Good morning. What's going on? Is this not Vietnam? <laughs> <laughs> ah, it very well could. But man, I tell you what, I'm loving it because I'm not enjoying the uh, the the heat because we went from a you know like a freezer. To um, you know, an inferno. But the mornings like this here, where it's it's not hot yet, it's just it's starting to warm up and it's bright and it's sunny and and I am all full of piss and vinegar today. Yeah, well, I end up doing my artwork in the morning on these hot days. That's a good idea. I can't, you know. Yeah, if I start to perspire and it's not very good for the paper, you know, you get a little bit of moisture on the paper, it kind of screws things over. Yeah, makes yeah sense. so anyway, it was a, it's been a good, you know, it's been a couple weeks since we really talked. Right, uh, it has. We kind of ended, we ended uh, uh, all my cases, and uh, uh, I thought we probably should have a question-answer period for some of your fans may want to get involved in this. And I know I get I get these uh, people writing me all the time here. It's sort of kind of strange this week. You know, I, I, got, a, I got a mail violation. Someone is trying to send me nude photos of you to me. No way. Yeah, yeah. Dude, dude. Someone is someone from Manitoba, Canada, or something <laughs> like that, I was, oh my God, I was trying to send serious. me some nude photos. <laughs> making it, and You know what? It's, it's like the old joke, right? Where the, the, uh, the guy asked me one time, said, do you want any nude photos? Do you have any nude photos of your wife? And I said, well, no, I don't. He said, "Would you like to have some?" <laughs> <laughs> so let me let me explain to our listeners what happened during during the week. Um, and I don't know what Tammy's pointing I want at. You to answer your phone. Oh, um, <laughs> I will in a second. But um, so earlier in the week, last week, I had a guy who actually physically called my my personal number and said, "If you, uh, and he sent me a text message that said, "If uh, if you don't pay me X amount of dollars, I'm going to release your nude photos and ruin your music career." And I'm like, I, "Go for it." And this dude went as far as to get on the chat for, for uh, Brutal Nation uh, oh my gosh, and, and went on and on. It was great because the, the, the fans turned down. They go, oh, that's something new. Scott yeah. naked. Like, uh, <laughs> let's see the pictures. So I told Aren't Keith you one it. of the original streakers? I could be. You know, back in the, you know, back in the 70s, 
you know, the late later seventies, where all these all these people start buying vans, and they get the murals on the van. They'll have like a van in a lot of little clubs, and then these guys will get you know smoke a little bit of weed, and they start running off without without their clothes, become streakers. Yeah, there was actually a Ray Stevens song about that called uh, "They Call Him the Streak." Yes, the streak. Yeah, yeah. Don't look, Ethel. <laughs> yeah, that, that was my fault. And I said, don't look, Ethel, but it was too late. She already been mooned. <laughs> yeah, already. Yeah, that's kind of a strange, but yeah, there's, uh, there, social media is, is, is such a, a crazy place anymore. It's just like the old CB radio where everyone wants to get involved and talk on it. But, but in this case, everyone wants to show videos of themselves. These kids that are putting their faces on the on the internet have no idea what they're doing to themselves. Later in life, what's going to happen is someone's going to come back and they're going to Google their name, and now it's going to pop some nude photo or something that along the lines that they put on there when they're 16, 17 years old, and it may ruin their career further down the road. Right, right, right. I don't know. Yeah. So, but your your career is already ruined if your if if your nude photos are already out there. You know, I, I, we I, asked I, him to give us <laughs> some, and he wouldn't do it. Right, exactly. And I have actually been harassing this guy all week long because he was dumb enough to send me his personal cell phone number when he texts me. So I wish him a good morning. I've asked him for naked pictures of his mom and things like that. Because the one thing that he couldn't get quite through his head is that, like. I've been in the music industry since I was 18. So I've been to like industry parties and things like that. Dude, more people have seen my junk than I can count. I am, and I'm not a shy man. I am fucking not shy at all. So we, we all got a pretty good laugh about that. Exactly. Well, I did. You know, we had that little conversation. I had a good little laugh. Why is a guy from Manitoba trying to get a hold of you to do that? I mean, I guess the, the, the American versus Canadian currency is a little different. So I guess he wants a little more money. Headed his way than what he's getting up there. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it was good yeah. times. Oh, man. So some of the questions that we had was, uh, of course, some obvious ones. Like, um, if you could go back and change what you did, would you change it? Well, I, I, how far back do I have to go? I, we're talking about the murders. We're not, like, talking about, like, Well, you know, I understand it, but, see, I would go back. I would go back a long way. I would not. I would go back to where... Um, when I moved down from Canada, when I moved down there, who I would deal with, who I'd talk to, uh, you know, it's like the, like Sandra Smith uh, in my sixth grade class was the first one to call me Tiny. I should have I should have bitch slapped her right there and said, no, no one's calling me anything. My name is Keith. It's not so it's not some goofy fucking name that you want to call me just because you feel I'm bigger than you are. You know, no, if I want to go back in time, let's just go all the way back and say, okay, I don't want to be called nicknames. I want to be my, you know, I want to get away from that bullshit. And that's just, that's just part of it. Now, uh, let's go back, not so far back, and then, and then let's, I don't join the wrestling team in high school. Why? Well, because I get injured in high school and it fucks up my leg for, I had three operations on my leg to get it working, and, and I've, lost jobs because I couldn't perform that way. So, yeah, I'd like to go back where I didn't have the injury. You know, there's a lot of things that want to change, but yes, I would go back and I would say, well, I do not want to be a murderer. 
I don't want to be in prison. I don't want any, all of this stuff. Yes, I would, I would definitely go back and I'd change that persona, let's say. I'd just go back and say, no, this, this ain't going to happen, Keith. I'm not doing this. Right, that makes sense. Like, would I, would you have approached some of the things that you've done differently as far as like how you reacted? Uh, well, okay, let's let, let's go with your girlfriend. You know, uh, if, would you have reacted if if you could? Would you change how you reacted to her saying, um, "But you promised to keep me out of jail"? Like, would you have? Made, well, I wouldn't have gotten. I wouldn't have had. I would not have had her for a girlfriend, for one, because she was just a user. Uh, Julie was this, uh, she was known around the town where she lived as being a leech. She got what she wanted. Uh, this was really stupid. I, I met her the one night and, and I, I drove her back over to Camas, Washougal area and we went into a bar. I think it was in Camas. We went into this bar and I was at the bar and she was mingling with all of her friends. And all of a sudden, the bartender comes to me. Hey, is that right? You're going to pay a round, buy a round for the whole house? Oh shit! I'm what like, the hell? Excuse me. What do you mean buy a round for the house? Well, Julie's telling everybody that I'm that I'm going to buy a round for the house because she owes people drinks. Holy she feels shit! That I have to step up to the plate and help her out. And I said to him, I said, I don't know the girl. I'm turned around and walked out and got in my truck, right? And I was sitting out there with the truck warming up, ready to push, push the air in and get the fuck out of there. When she comes running out, hey, where'd you go? And I said, like, I'm not buying around for the house. Barely enough, I can't afford you, you know, kind of thing. But that's how she is. She was, she, she wanted her, her meal ticket paid for all the way, no matter what. She, when I met her, she had no money, and we went for a drive, and I went down to California with her and back. We had to, we had fun, let's just say we had fun. But where she was living at the time was she was sharing a couch from someone's house, and when she overstayed her welcome there, she moved on to the next couch in somebody else's house. That's how she lived. Gee, so would I have been around with her? You know, it's. Uh, Later in life, I would have, you know, if I wanted to go back and change things, I wouldn't be with her. I would have stayed with my wife to start with. But if I want to go all the way back, I would not have gotten married to my first wife, or my wife anyway. I never got married a second time. But right, that's what you and I've I talked had, about I've before. had other girlfriends. I've had other girlfriends along the line. I've never killed them. You know. Right, just, right. Yeah, so... If you really want, if you're going to change something in your life, go all the way back and you're not. And if, if I didn't kill the first time, I wouldn't kill any more down the road. So, if if she has was my girlfriend uh, at the time, no, she would not have. Um, no matter what she would have said, I would just sign it on. See, the problem was that I wasn't a drug addict. I didn't smoke pot. I didn't do drugs at all, and I rarely drank. So, all her vices, I would not have attributed to. But if I was that type of person that had done drugs, and I would have been in a comfort zone with her, and I would have probably just signed it on. That's the problem when you have a relationship where you have opposites, where 
one is a is an addict, the other one isn't. The other one that the one that isn't is always paying for the one that is. That's true. That kind of yeah, that actually makes a lot of sense. That, that is very true, actually. That was a way deeper answer than I thought that it was going to be. Because it, <laughs> that it was actually so deep. <laughs> well, because here's what I was expecting. I was expecting uh, you, Keith, to go with. Well, this is about change about the killings, but no, no, you know what? That's uh, that's actually correct. You got to change the catalysts exactly. before you even look at the action itself. Because if you change the catalysts. Um, being, you know, the first kill and some of the things that happened throughout childhood, you know, traumas and things like that, then the murders would have never happened, period. Exactly. Well, you know, people people tell me, you know, that you know, I see this on, the, on TV all the time where they're saying, well, I had a bad, you know, matter of fact, I was in a town hall the other day and some guy come up to me and says, is it true you, your, your mother was a prostitute? <laughs> no, maybe <laughs> my dad probably should, if he was here, he would have bitch slapped the guy. No, no. My my dad used to tell a joke, though. He used to say that uh, the wife went out there and, and would drum up some more money for the household. She came back with $12.25. And she and he asked his wife, he said, uh, hey, uh, who gave you 25 cents? And she said, all of them. <laughs> yeah, well, what the hell? Yeah. I mean, oh, my God, I love it. Jesus funny. Christ. Well, the funny part about that is every time you ask my mom to borrow money, she'll go, how much do you need, Twelve ninety-five. dollars <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's crazy. My dad would, would, would joke like that and not realize maybe down the road, now that I'm in prison and all that stuff, but anyone that has ever heard the joke would take it seriously. Oh right. my God, she was a hooker. Well, she wasn't. She's a great mom. She's a stay-at-home mom. She knitted all of her clothes, and uh, or, or she made everything. She was religiously on that sewing machine, pushing out clothes for us. Wow. Now we had we could afford to go downtown and buy just about anything we wanted because we we're well off, you right. know, better than most. But my mother was this homebody that would knit Indian sweaters, would. Uh, would would every time the uh, child was born, she she'd get busy with her wool and her knitting needles, you know, or she'd go on the sewing machine and start making clothes for people. This wow. is, a lot of my a lot of my stuff was just homemade. This is just the way she was raised. I mean, she's a great mom, you know. No, she was not a hooker. Sorry, guys, but everyone thinks to think that there's some you know the parent is at fault for why I'm here. And really not the case. Now, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree uh, when it comes to narcissists, you know, that word, being a narcissist. Right. Uh, now, I am, okay, so I'm a narcissist to a degree at times, but not all the time. Uh, a lot of people call me an enabler. It's pretty hard to be an enabler and a narcissist at the same time. That's kind of true. You know, I'm I'm here. I'm I'm helping people out. You know, I'm I'm looking after. I'm always looking out for the other person. Like my when I was married, I, I was always making sure everything was okay with her. If that was if if I was a narcissist, I would have said, "Well, screw her. I'm going to look after myself." Right. I was going to bring that up. If you really want to go down that road of being, well, everyone's a narcissist. You know, my dad was a narcissist. You know, we all are to a degree when we look after ourselves, but there's a time in our life when we choose to look after somebody else and we become an enabler. Right. You know? That's true. And we, we, we look after everyone. Now, 
now they they jump on this bandwagon about being a social uh, uh, you know a, a, a psychotic personality or something like that right, sociopath or psychopath yeah. or sociopathic yeah and then and okay so how does that come about right it's only a determination of what you are after you've been incarcerated they don't right. they don't look at you in that, in that category in that way until you've done something wrong right well and that's all true. Of a sudden they wanted they want to put you in a category so they can put you away under a certain category right Wait, yeah, everything, I'm not, you know. everything has to be labeled and everything like that. And that's what I've I, I found a few things, especially doing this show, because we're we're bordering on four hundred episodes of doing this. And I've always been, you know, researching serial killers, but I didn't put two and two together till we started this. Is that there's there's two things that seem to be a constant with, with all serial killers. And number one, they gotta be able to categorize you as psychopathic, sociopathic, um, delusional Borderline personality, antisocial. Put some kind of label on it. But the other one is, and I have found this more and more with talking to another uh, serial killer, uh, is that they always want to depict the victim. And I'm not victim shaming, by the way. No. But they always want to depict the victim as these are church-going people that were, like, reading the Bible and minding their own business. And then the monster got them, you know, and they never did anything wrong. But it, it, it... I'm not saying in every case, but in, in, in a lot of cases, the victim kind of put themselves in that situation. Well, the, the victim has to be there. Yeah, there, the there's that. The victim has to be part of this whole equation because without the victim, there's no crime, right? Right. Right, right. Well, I'm talking about like so, cause, uh, you got mostly prostitutes. Yeah, and, but, you know, not all the victims are responsible for, their, for the actions that come about by... They're murdered, I'd say. True. You know, right. just because I saw a victim walking down a, a trail, and the uh, the trailside strangler reaches out and snags them and brings them in and whatever. Uh, that that they're they're just there. So the victim is so everyone is not cannot be depicted as that because right. like I have Julie sitting there and she's kind of pushing my button. Um, Angela Sabrese pushed my button. I promised uh, a safe journey to a certain point because I, I knew my, my limitations. And I also had my, my, my little corpse at the time there. And sometimes I, it was just a, it was a comical thing for me that uh, you, you give them, you give some, uh, enough people enough rope, they'll hang themselves. Scott says that all the time. Yep, because I do yeah, that to a lot so of people. If I, if I hand them a, a length of rope and I let them, I, I give them the opportunity to get what they can from me, and I'm okay with it to a point. And then it gets to a point there. Now, my, my biggest problem was over a course of time, the, the trigger that caused me to kill uh, changed dramatically over the time. It got to a point where it didn't take much for me to even pull the trigger, and that was it, done, right? Yeah. Uh, I never thought, and then the, the, the more you do it, the less you think about it. And that's the problem with crime is that if you rob a bank enough, many, if you if you become a, a serial bank robber, you don't think about it very often, very much. You just walk in and do it, and you walk in and you run out kind of a thing. Right, that's, right. That's, 
when you shoplift, you go in there, and then nowadays they, they pay to shoplift. Hell, you you can steal up to nine hundred and fifty dollars and never get a damn, don't even get arrested. Right. Well, you, you did bring up a good. How many serial killers they're going to start with this kind of concept? <laughs> all these all these people that are stealing, they're getting away with it, they're allowing you to be getting away with it, and now it become career criminals, and they're going to turn into serial killers. For Christ's sake, because they're allowing them to steal up to nine hundred and fifty dollars without being arrested. But they're given a free pass. You did bring up a good point, you know, with the with, with it getting easier and easier. It's uh, it's that's part of behavioral conditioning. And I brought it up on the show many times. Is that um, when you're looking at uh, let's take the serial killer aspect out, and we'll just go with abuse in general. So. Let's say that you and your old lady get into it, and you backhand her, and you get you get away with it, okay? And then maybe it starts yeah. off with just calling her names. Well, then, the next time, it's going to be a little bit easier, because you got away with it. And then when you get away with it again, it's going to become easier and easier to where that just becomes a way of life. Like, you're kind of, you know, it, it can escalate as far as, like, you come in and, you know, something bad happened outside, like a bird pooped on your windshield, and all of a sudden, you're knocking the crap out of your old lady. But uh, so I'd imagine that well, murder's yeah, the same way. It gets easier and easier. You're angry at, at, at that's how road rage is. I mean, you don't have to you don't have to hit your old lady. You just hit the next guy next to you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, this is how it all plays out. I mean, you know, anger. You, you allowed yourself to to explode and move and go on to the next person with no uh, you know, no repercussions. I mean, you go out there and slap a guy and you know or hit him real hard. That's how manslaughter is done, you know, and unintentional manslaughter. You go to a bar, get in a bar fight, you hit him a little too hard. The guy goes down and dies. Well, I didn't mean to kill him. I just meant to hit him one time. Come on. Right. And, and that's I've heard that argument in here many times. That people are in for manslaughter that, oh, they weren't supposed to die. I was just going to I was just going to punish him a little bit. <laughs> I was you just going to punch him a how, little bit. Yeah, well, yeah, I just, you know, you lay him out and they're like, well, gee, I must have hit him a little harder than I thought I did. Yeah, oh, but totally. you still want you still want to hit him, kind of thing. Yeah, I mean this is this is the, the mentality in prison. You know, there's a lot of people in here that, that that claim that they're a victimless crime, and I always tell them, I said, I bet your mother really likes the fact that you're in prison, right? <laughs> True. God damn. You know, <laughs> you really want to go down the victimless crime. There's no such thing. I mean, that's the family suffers. I mean, the worst thing of of the crime is the fact that your loved ones, the ones of you, 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 your your family and friends, the people you've built relationships up to earn their respect, now all of a sudden you slap them in the face and said, "All right, I'm a criminal now," and then you've, I still want you to love me, but they don't want to love you anymore because they want to get away from you because you're a criminal. Those are the people that are suffering the most is your family your friends because they've known you all this time as being such a great person and the next thing you know you're incarcerated for some crime any crime and you've you've deflated their sales they just don't they don't see it they they their, their whole aspect of looking at you is now different but i would you destroyed it, the family unit see but i would look that at that a little differently not so much that they don't love me anymore or don't want to love me it's the fact that they can't reconcile who i am with what i what they thought i was you know what i mean yeah 
it's perfect. it's not so much that they lose that love for you because I think I mean you and I have talked about this on the show before especially with your youngest daughter is I don't think that she doesn't love you. I think that she just can't wrap her mind around the fact of, you know, what well, she, she's yeah. a nurse. She she deals with life and death situations all the time. She's in the hospital. She's looking at people that that are being abused and, and have, have been hurt and right. shot and whatever else. She's a nurse and she sees this all the time and now she has to wrap around the idea that her dad was has, has yeah. sent people to prison like I mean sent the people to, to the hospital for her to treat kind exactly of thing, right? exactly so it's so like two I, different, I am the yeah. I am the enemy I am the enemy that's causing pain and destruction to people that are going to the hospital for help and she's the one helping so now she's the other side of the coin right polar opposites but you know I can only she's, she's having to deal with it I can understand the, the escalation of violence because that is how I was before anger management. Um, you know, and I, I think you and I have talked about this, Keith, and I know that, I know that uh, Tammy knows too, but, you know, I got a felony charge that got dropped to a misdemeanor because I whipped my son's ass with a paddle. But it was actually one of the best things that could happen to me to go to anger management, and I'll tell you why. Because I didn't realize that, I, that my escalation of abuse, not necessarily to my son, but to the people around me, we're getting more and more because it, and it wasn't a physical thing. It was I would be pissed off. And if I'm if whoever I was with, I would unleash the nastiest saying things. A cracking. Just, yeah, just, just to be a dick, you know, yeah. and it's not until you break that cycle became, of violence. It became natural. The yeah, and it, it became natural. And it became you just, you just rolled yeah. off your tongue. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. remember one girl I was dating, uh, you know, she had come over unexpected. I was just having a bad day, and I remember the words that came out of my mouth, and I looked at her and said, what the fuck do you want, you stupid fucking cunt? Why don't you call, why don't, why don't, why don't, why don't you call me? Why? You don't oh, just pop use that word, use that C word. Uh, oh, you know what? I almost popped him, and I'm not his girlfriend. <laughs> but, <Just saying. laughs> but yeah, oh, you know, when, when I finally got a, a hold of that, yeah, I'm an abusive person. Maybe not physically as much verbally, then fuck, dude, my life changed. And granted, my son had to go through a lot of stuff because I, I whooped his ass. And he ended up, you know, down in, in, in the Vegas area. He lives, he lives back with me now. And him and I have an amazing, amazingly good relationship now. Um, and because we both worked on it. But a lot of people I, don't do that. They don't stop that, see, that, that cycle of violence. Of, in, in, in a lot of my relationships, I've dealt with women that were that had children, and my uh, is like with Roberta. Um, she would wear those kids' butts out with her hand. I mean, she would punish them terribly. And I told her, I said, "No, around my kids, you'll never touch my kids like that." Matter of fact, I, I've talked to you about this before. Where I I raised my kids not to be spanked. I did not want to spank my kids. I didn't want them to go through what I did. When my dad grabbed the belt and came at me with a belt, I mean that was. Uh, I, I said, "No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to not going to force that issue." I mean, the kids know that when they do something bad, and, and and the fact that they know they did something bad is bad enough. Right. It's hard enough on them. If you told a kid, you said, "All right, I tell you what, um, Mom just told me you did something wrong." Okay, so I want you to think of a punishment. So when I get home, I'll give you that punishment. And right. these kids will come up with all kinds of crazy punishments that they're going to affect their lives 
so when I walk in the door, I got a I got a good selection of what I'm going to give them, right? Right. <laughs> that makes sense. And by yeah. then, I, I tell them, I said, all right, well, what kind of punishment am I going to give you? And they give me the song and dance about, oh, my, you know, you're going to take this away from me and that away. I said, listen, I tell you what, you've already punished yourself enough. Let's just go grab your coat and let's go to Dairy Queen. Let's just put this all behind us, right? And that's what I did. Yeah. I did not, I never, I, I, I told my father when I dropped my kids off there at Sand Lake up there in Oregon when he was a host at Sand Lake State Park, I dropped him off for the week and I said to him, I said, you do not touch your grandkids. You do not spank them. If, if there's a problem, you give them a timeout and that's all you do. You do not spank my kids. You touch my kids, you'll never see them again. I'll never bring them around. And my father was, he thought that I was, you know, tell, how dare I tell him that. But, you know, uh, after, you know, a week or so, I came up there and on the weekend to see him, and I said, any problems? Well, once I had to give Jason a timeout, but he was very shocked to find out how well-behaved my children were. Now, my brother, Bruce, he, he picked up where my dad left off in punishing his kids. And his kids are always yelling and screaming and hollering and stuff like that, and he would wear them out with a, with a damn belt. And my father couldn't understand how come there his kids weren't, weren't, weren't very well behaved at all. Why? Well, because they were being punished the same way that my dad punished all of us kids. Yeah. See, and so, I, used, I used to do similar things with my son when he was little. I would always tell him, okay, you did this wrong, you know, I'd give him two choices. Which one do you want? And sometimes he would pick the worst punishment. You they know? always do. Yeah, and they it's like, do. okay. They and, want, they want yeah. to be punished. They want mom and dad to punish them so they, get, so they can build that relationship back up. Right, so they have the boundaries. They know what's right and what's yeah, wrong. They, they, yeah, they know what's coming. They, they want to know what's coming. Yeah, now, I just, remember when, when I first moved down from Canada. I mean, they used to give us this strap up there in, in school where you stick your hand out, and they'd, they'd wrap this damn strap across the palm of your hand right. several times on each hand, and it'd, it'd swell up, and you'd put it under cold water, and sometimes... One uh, minute remaining. And sometimes everything would just go to, you know, not very good. And well, when I came down here in the States, the first time I, I threw a snowball at it hit the principal in the eye, he gave me this wooden board across my butt one time, and that was it. And I said, "Oh, good! I'm going to go out and throw more surf. I'm going to throw more throw balls. I'll call you right back." <laughs> I got to tell you, this call went way differently than I thought that it was going to. Right. <laughs> I mean, right. a lot of insight. I, I, honestly, I, I feel like there's a lot of insight that we received on him because. He brought up a good point, you know, instead of, I thought for sure that he was going to go right into the murders. Go, Yeah, I don't think that I would have killed this person or I would have handled this situation differently. Right. But what he said makes sense, you know, like. Totally. Go back and change the things that offered up catalysts. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, he just, I think he just, you know, he had a pretty much, I don't know, it's hard to, it's hard for me to explain but because you and I talked about it a little bit, you know, and after the other calls too off the air that we were a little put off at the after the last two phone calls, you know, interviewed things we've had with them. Right, right, right. Right. But this kind of went back to that beginning again. So, yeah. So I'm yeah, 
very, very pleased with it. Yeah. All right, let's wrap up this episode, and then we can get on to the other one for tomorrow. Remember that you can check out the Etsy store that we have at TB Enterprises Store, all one word, at Etsy.com. Log on to Facebook and join Citizens of Brutal Nation. Become a citizen today. Join in the conversation. I'm trying to post more and more shit on there that way there. And plus, tell your friends about it. We need to build our social media um, presence up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, build us up. It's, it's only because you and I have ignored it. Like, cause I mean, we, well, because we, we get so busy. We so get busy inundated with a lot of things. Yeah. With the show, it's you know, crazy. yeah, I and mean, we we've got listeners, obviously. We obviously. just we freaking forget about the social media presence, which we're working on too for TikTok and all that shit. Yeah. Remember that this show is copyrighted 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. If you're hearing this or any part of this on anybody else's show or podcast, they're lying, thieving bastards. And we will talk to you guys later on. Bye bye. Bye everybody.